Have you ever wondered why you keep replaying the same patterns over and over again in your life, even though they're not good for you? Well, we're going to dive into that topic today and explore how our past adversity can impact our present day self, what we can do about it so that we can go on to create a life that is meaningful. We're going to talk things childhood adversity and replaying familiar emotions and patterns that in our past were actually helpful for us, but are no longer serving us and what we can do to get over them. So you're going to want to tune into this episode with our very special guest. So thanks for popping me in your earbuds and I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did putting it together for you. Welcome to Get Over Yourself, the podcast for successful women who are ready to get out of their own way and quit letting fear hold them back. You've worked hard to get to where you are, so it's about damn time you felt confident enough to enjoy it. I'm your host, Eloise Tompkins, and I've spent over a decade mastering the art of psychology so I can help women just like you stop the self-doubt spiral and learn to love yourself enough to move forward. Hello and welcome to the Get Over Yourself podcast where today we are going on a deep dive with Eve who was born in El Salvador but had to flee the country as a child with her family who had barely any money and nothing to their name. Arriving in Australia as a young child who spoke no English, Eve had lost her mother at a young age and grew up with a father with strong patriarchal beliefs. Despite all of this, Eve has gone on to create an incredible career for herself in the banking industry, working in various talent management roles and has worked her way up the ranks. So I am super pumped to introduce Eve to the show today uh, because we are just going to have the most juicy conversation about some of these topics. So Eve, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about who you are and Share a little bit about your journey with us. I'd love to. Thank you so much, Eloise, for having me on. A um, bit about myself. Uh, like Eloise mentioned, I am from El Salvador. Um, my family is a little bit of a like a telenovela, soap, opera. Um, it's a, a lot to tell you about my family, but we won't go into that um, detail. Um, at the moment, I've got two small children. Um, I've got a two-and-a-half-year-old and a, a nine-month-old. Um, a very supportive husband um, that I'm very happy to have as a husband because um, he's just amazing, supporting me in every way as well. He's, the, he's my number one fan. Um, and so we're building or we're trying to build or we will build um, a different life for our daughters. So we're doing a lot of um, crazy things like building a business while I was on maternity leave. Um, I'm going back to my um, corporate job in a month's time. So I've got four weeks left. Um, starting my own podcast um, and just trying to be the best parent that I can be. That is incredible. And there's all these positive things that are happening happening for you in your life right now. And I know that it hasn't always been that way for you. There's been a lot of, uh, I guess, adversity that you've had to overcome. And I'm wondering if you can tell me a little bit about what that looked like um, in your childhood. Yeah, look, um, a lot of people might look at my life um, at the moment and I have had a few people say, oh, you're so lucky. Um, but let me tell you, luck has not been on my side. Um, I think I've chosen um, different paths that led me to to the life that I'm living now and that I'm very grateful for. Um, but um, growing up wasn't easy. Uh, my mum passed away when I was four years old um, to breast cancer. It was a diagnosis um, that uh, happened as soon as we arrived to Australia 
um, and it was a very quick one. Um, month later, um, she got diagnosed and nine months later, she passed away. So it left my dad with no family, um, no support, no financial support either, um, and three kids, three small kids, um, which then that led to a lot of choices that my dad um, made that probably wasn't the, 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 the nicest uh, choices or the choices that I would have made. However, um, he did what he could. Um, and at the end of the day, um, you know, it's led me to where I'm at now. Um, he decided to get together with another um, woman because he needed the support. He needed that um, someone to keep the house, um, you know, clean and he needed someone to look after his kids. Um, therefore, I grew up with a stepmom from um, the age of five to 12 years old. Um, and let me tell you, she was an interesting character, um, not not the best person either to have uh, raised me from five to 12. Didn't like her. Um, and there was a lot of um, things that I think, uh, you know, that's another for another 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 story. Um, the evil stepmom. <laughs> yeah, the, the evil stepmom. However, um, you know, again, I learned um, a lot from her. Uh, there's some positives. It's always not 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 just the negatives. But um, having an absent father um, and then at 12 years old when my dad left her for someone else, I was alone. I realised I was alone and had to deal with the fact that I had no mum. Not only did I have to grieve for my actual mum, but I had to grieve for my stepmum that all of a sudden was there one day and then the next day she was gone. Um, so then I had to, my grieving process started when I was 12 um, my healing process probably started when I was 15, 16, and I had to do that all alone. Um, I surrounded myself with really good friends, um, good support network, um, and that's how I got my way through a lot of the, the hardships and the loneliness that I felt. And that sounds like a lot, and, and that is a very um, kind of bird's eye overview by the sounds of, it, of some of the things that happened. And my mind the way my mind works is very much, I didn't realise this actually, but it's very visual. And I could just imagine this four-year-old, well, not even like even prior to that, this young girl, like three years old, feeling so lost and confused and wondering what is going on, having to flee uh, the only place that you've ever known, getting on a plane Mm. and you know, not having finances, not having money, not having resources, not having family, not having friends, not speaking the language. That's a lot for a kid to have to go through. Absolutely. And then also adding to that, losing your mum not long after, like that is incredibly difficult. And then going on to then have this experience where I know you can kind of piece it together with your dad from this very rational point of view in terms of, okay, I know that my dad was doing the best that he could. On the flip side of that, though, I wonder from that emotional perspective, what was happening for you? What beliefs were you starting at that young age to really develop about yourself? Well, let me tell you something. I I do remember, I do recall um, being at school and being lonely and I had to change schools because we went from, we changed um, primary schools from one primary school to another and I felt really lonely and um, no one to speak to uh, and these girls were telling me that I was stupid that I was an idiot and I had to really think about do I believe that about myself is that something that I I think I am 
And the way that I answered back to them was I just, I didn't believe it within myself. I was in grade two. So what's grade two? A seven-year-old, I think, eight-year-old. Um, and I responded with, if that's what you think, yep, yep, that's what you think, that's what you think. They tried it again the next day. I didn't respond to it. I didn't react to it. I didn't feel hurt from it or whatever. They tried again the next day. I said, yep, if that's what you think, yep, that's, you know, whatever you think, that's fine. But I went on. Head, my, I remember be, having just my head held up high, not caring what they were saying. And so that was the moment I felt like I don't actually believe that. I don't really believe that about myself. Um, I think that, um, you know, there, there was a lot of things that were happening at, at home that I don't um, remember much about, like even when I'm seven years old. But I do remember that moment where I felt like I was better than than what they were saying. So. I started to live my life feeling like, uh, and you know what? I love I love your podcast name, Get Over Yourself, because I remember feeling like there was such a big world out there that I was just the smallest amount. And so for someone to say it wasn't a big deal, I've just got to live my own life and get over myself, right? You got to you got to get over that feeling of like what anyone else thinks and just live in that moment and just continue on with your holding your head up high and just being you and just feeling like yeah I don't know if that answers your question but that's what I felt is <laughs> your question because I, I I don't I mean I love the just broadness of where conversations go with people and I just find myself getting so enthralled in people's stories and you know hearing you again like it just brings this visual and I don't know what our listeners are experiencing but as you were sharing that story with me this sense that I got and I don't know whether this is correct or not Mm -hmm. is almost of this um protective shell almost in terms of I've already been hurt so mm. much in my life mm. that your words don't actually matter because I've kind of blocked them off because yeah. I'm, I've blocked off from myself yep. Yep. and almost a little bit of disconnection from yourself and the world. I don't know. If- absolutely. Yes, absolutely. You got it right. Tell us a little bit yes. about that, like what that experience was like, because that must have, like I imagine that would have felt really lonely. Yeah, yeah. To be honest, I, I think I did block myself a, a lot from, and and some of it was probably my stepmom. My stepmom got to a point where she would tell me not to cry over my mum. So it probably comes a lot from her. And again, I feel like there's a lot of bad in that a lot of good in that as well right so um depending on which way you look at it the way that I look at it was she taught me to be strong you know like you don't need to cry over your mum from her point of view it was probably jealousy um she wanted to be the mum she wanted me to replace my mum with her completely she wanted that um that I guess um control over a, a little girl that didn't have any control however she, when she, she taught me to be strong you know don't cry don't we would go to the cemetery and she would pull me away from my family and and look at others I'll oh, look at this look at that and she would tell me openly I don't want you to cry over your mum you know that's not going to bring her back that's not going to be so for me it was like that is the worst that something that can happen to you I'm still alive and I'm still there's still so much to live for um and I just can continued on um 
And I think that thick skin was from tough love that I received from my stepmom, the tough love of, um, you know, don't, don't cry, don't do this, don't do that. So I went on just to be strong in that sense of nothing like I've been through through enough already that nothing else will bother me if someone tells me that you know this and that my mum's passed away like you know like it's it's just everything else just didn't matter I guess to me um but in saying that I teach you like about emotion like because I'm hearing that and I'm hearing this uh really overwhelming grief yes that you we're experiencing for mum yeah and and what I'm also hearing is this other woman your stepmother who had kind of um stepped into this pseudo mother role and was telling you no don't grieve about your mum and and like I'm just imagining but in my mind, I kind of go to this young child again, mm-hmm. and this inner like, and that inner child within you now, who is still missing their mum, yeah. because grief is not something that ends necessarily. No. It yeah. ebbs and flows and changes and looks different over time. Absolutely. What I wonder though is is this uh, kind of what am I trying to say? Like. Yeah, I guess I'm curious, like, well, how that experience of being told to not show your emotions, how that played out for you or what that kind of taught you about emotions? It was good for for some part of it, but um, I'd started to notice that it wasn't being helpful when I was in relationships. I started off dating, um, you know, when I was 18 years old. I had um, a seven... Uh, I, I was dating someone for seven years and in those seven years I broke up with him three or four times just because I was sabotaging that relationship. The emotion wasn't there. I wasn't really connecting, you know, with him emotionally as much as I wanted to. He was a great guy. Um, but that's when I just started to to realise that my anger was coming out. So my the things that I was holding back, the grief that I couldn't grieve over or um, anger, for example, even on my birthday, I remember that something missing, you know, my mum wasn't around, but I couldn't really pinpoint to that grief. And like you said, grief comes in different um, stages of life, different. And for me, it was every birthday, Christmas time and her birthday, right? So these are the three days that I just was in a shit mood. I would push back even when they tried my, my, my partners, you know, I went from one boyfriend to another um and every single one was the same my birthday would come it wasn't enough I was angry I had so much anger in me because I hadn't dealt with that grief and I didn't deal with a lot of the emotion that um there's a lot more emotion that I just never dealt with so emotionally I wasn't available if that makes sense I wasn't really emotionally available for anyone to be part of my world so I always pictured myself being single um, being that I would never have a perfect family, but that just didn't exist because I was on my own and I'd always been on my own and I didn't need that person. So when I'd get into relationships, I'd push them away and I'll self-sabotage that relationship. And I, and I had really good partners that individually made me see 
that it wasn't about them and it wasn't about it was more deeper than that they made me realize that you know they would say things to me like I'm not your dad I am not this I am not that like I can't nurture you the way that your mum could have or your dad and in a not nice way but they were absolutely right and then those relationships that I got myself into made me realize I had to deal with my own in my own issues my own um why couldn't I open myself emotionally um so I started to see counsellors that's where my healing journey sort of began my gosh how powerful that is like I have tingles kind of (laughs) hearing that and I'm so sure that so many of the listeners can relate to that story of, you know, I think that anger for so many people is, particularly women and men, men, I guess anger generally is just seen as something, you know, don't express anger. Mm. And women are meant, air quotes, to be polite, submissive, the good girl, put everyone's needs ahead of our own, all of these roles that we're supposed to adopt as women. And then when we get to, um, when we have these experiences in our lives, when our emotional needs are not supported and they're not nurtured and we're being told to suppress our grief, which Mm -hmm. is a really strong emotion, understandably so. You'd Mm -hmm. lost your mother, which at a very pivotal pivotal point in your uh, life and and developmental stage not saying that losing a mother at any stage is easy however for a child who had just you know fled to a different country all of that combined is just a a lot for you to have had to go through and to have then bottled that up so tightly which led you to, it sounds like it really led you to develop that uh, shield almost. And I see this in so many women that I work with that's really protective, right? Yeah. Like we develop that shield, we put that shield, uh, I guess, around us. And and I yeah. used to do that too. I very much had my own shield around me, my yeah. own guard. Yeah. Um, and for some people it can be like really, really strong. Like, you know, there's yeah. multiple layers, there's multiple you know, types of material that's used. And yeah, it yeah. can take time to to chip away at that. And particularly if we don't, it's so familiar to us, we don't even realise that it's, it's there. And it sounds almost a little bit about like when you're in high school and, and those uh, girls were being, you know, mean school girls, that protective guard was really helpful and you weren't quite aware that it was there yet. And it was actually helpful for you in those moments. And over time through some of the relationships that you had with these people who were genuinely nice people, they were able to reflect back to you almost a bit of a mirror and show you some parts about yourself that sounds like, I mean, I'm I'm imagining would have been quite confronting in some ways. Yeah, Um, absolutely. But also holding up that mirror and being like, okay, here are some of these parts of yourself. You then had a bit of a choice point Mm -hmm. because I imagine that and I've seen this in my family uh and and I wonder what it was like for you in your family because I know in my family I always wondered what was different about me and because I didn't want to follow the same trajectory as my family and I saw other people in my family who 
said that they didn't want to follow in that trajectory and now they're following in that trajectory. And and I, I just sort of think, why me? Like, why was I able to change trajectory and not them? Yeah. Um, so I'm curious as to what your point was when you were like, I've got to get over myself here and mm. get out of my own way. Mm. Stop that same pattern repeating and make a different point, a different choice in my life. Yeah. And, and I think um, you make a really good point there because it is a choice. Um, people always have choices um and I thought what made me realize was a counseling session um because it opened up to you know the way that I was raised my childhood my family you know that all those questions are asked about that and a lot of the time I felt heavy and I felt um sad unhappy depressed and when I went to my counselling sessions and, and I talked, it was mainly about what was happening around me. It's mainly about like, you know, it was my dad this and my sister this. And they're like, what about you? What's going on in your, are you happy? Like, you know, remove all of that. Yes, I'm happy. And, and you know, and there was a lot of guilt that I felt like I needed to help my family. I was the youngest one and I was going through a lot, but I needed to be there for my family. I needed to be there, um, you know, to support them emotionally, um, sometimes even financially, you know. Um, so, so a lot of that financial um, stuff that I needed to do was that guilt. And so one of the things that the counsellor said to me that stuck to me to this day is if you don't help them out, if you don't give them money, will they starve? The answer was no. They won't starve. Okay. So therefore, everyone has choices. They're adults. They're older than you. And they've they've gotten themselves to this point in their life. And let them let them deal with it. Say no. You know, you've got your life to live. Um, you've got your choices to make. You're making the right choices. Therefore, don't feel guilty about that. And then that's when I started to realize, yes, absolutely right everyone has a choice and they should be accountable for those choices you can be there to support someone you can be there and that's when I sort of started to break free from a bit of like okay I'm unhappy not because of what's happening in my life but it's probably the people around me that I care so much about and I want the best for them but I needed to break free from that and what I did to do that is just give myself some space I I purposely didn't you know go out to feel like I needed to see them I just started to concentrate more of the me and tell them look I'm busy I'm doing this I'm saving up for a person in particular that used to say one of my closest friends growing up um, and funnily enough I used to look at her like she had it all you know grow we've been friends from young age so when I was going through my tough times with my dad she had this perfect perfect family you know, the stability that, you know, this perfect family. And I used to always look up to her and, and think she's got it all, you know, she's so lucky. And I used to always tell my dad sometimes, you know, my friend, she has it all. She's got this, her mum does this, her dad does this. And I'd compare and my dad would be like, don't compare, you know, I don't fall for that comparison, you know. But then growing up, she was the one that started to say, you're lucky, you're this, you're that. But it's because I worked within and I I tell her that it comes from within. There's a lot of things that I've been working on within that no one would know about, right? You don't see that. Um, you see all the, all the nice things that are happening, but, um, it, it just comes from within. I think once you have your inwards knowing of what you deserve and what you're capable of, things will just fall into place. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's kind of been some of my experience is that when you're able to really get to know who you are, like deep in your core, that has been where some of the biggest shifts have happened for me because some people often like to look outwards. And and I think a lot of people, a lot of women do this, career, partner, mm-hmm. having the house, having the dog, mm-hmm. having the family. Mm-hmm. And then like, <laughs> then they come to me and they're like, oh, my gosh, Ellie, I've got all these things and, like, society told me I'd be happy now. Why am I not happy? And yeah. they'd, like, really panic and be like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. I'm like, well, there's nothing wrong with you, but let's drop into who you are. And yes. Let's see if, you know, what is it that you actually want rather than what society has told you? And that's a very interesting, and I'm very passionate about that. Can I touch on that if, that, if that's okay? I, I absolutely agree with you um, when it comes to that sort of stuff. Society tells you when I was growing up, when I, and I told you about my seven-year relationship, we bought a house. We, my dad was like, when are you going to get married? When are you going to, my sister, let's have, you know, have kids, have kids. Join me on this journey in motherhood. Let's do it together, you know that push, push, push of you need to get married, you need to have a house, you need to, and then um, not to bore you with my long story, I'll try to cut it short, but my, I bought a house and then I realised that my my dad was pushing me that way. I bought a house and I wasn't happy. I looked around me, I was like I had a partner, I had, and I knew what the next step was, getting married, having kids, and I just felt this thing that wasn't me, it just wasn't me. People were like, oh, you've been together for seven years, where's the ring, where's the ring? And 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 it would piss me off. It would piss me off when women would ask me that question because I'm like, what if? Because they're like, he hasn't proposed to you yet. He hasn't. It was like I was the one that was the problem. I was like, what about if it's me that doesn't want to get married? What about if it's me? Like I used to get really pissed off, and that turned me even more about like, why am I not excited about all this? Why is it? It's what everyone else was telling me. Not until we moved in, I realized my dad wasn't there. I asked him to help me out to move into the house that we bought, the mortgage that I got myself into because he wanted that and he wasn't there. He was nowhere to be seen. He was too busy with his partner um, and that's when it hit me. That's when I felt the, the hurt of what I'm doing this for you and then I and I caught myself out. I was like, I'm doing it for my dad. This isn't for me and that was it. I, you know, broke it off and then I started living for myself. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I... <laughs> have a very similar, very similar story of my own journey with my own relationship with my own dad, different circumstances surrounding it, but very much that realization of I'm not living. And I knew along the way, like there were points where I'd realized along the way, I'm not living for my dad. Uh, I'm not living for myself. I'm making choices based on what other people, particularly my dad wanted for me. And through that, I learned that men knew my life better than me. I put a lot of my trust, uh, a lot of my decision-making into what other men wanted for me um, or thought that I should have. I struggled to make my own decisions. And Mm. these are all things I see in the women I work with that it can be really difficult to make our own decisions because, and to live our own lives. And even to tap into, like you said that you had felt a lot of, um, uncertainty about the relationship a lot of anger had come up for you or you said you felt pissed off and that tells me that all those emotions tell me that there's something going on there that needs to be looked at but as women 
We're often told to squash them down. I was. I was told to squash them down, often by my dad, funnily yeah. <laughs> enough. Yeah. And, he, you know, it's kind of confusing to be in yeah. that situation where yeah. the person that we're meant to, who's meant to love and support us, on the other hand, is also someone who we're frightened and intimidated by. Mm. And we learned that like, where do we go? Where do, We can't trust ourselves. We have to trust this person who we also, on the other hand, don't trust. Yep, yep. It becomes very, very, very confusing and can be really, really difficult to then break free from that, which is where I think a lot of people can sometimes get stuck. Like mm-hmm. it, talking, going back to those patterns, it can be easier to just follow that pattern because if you follow that pattern, you stay connected to your family. Yes. You yes. keep those relationships, even though they're dysfunctional. Yes. Yeah. Those relationships are still there and there's some benefit to that. Yeah. And when you choose that different path, it does change your relationships. Yes. Even though you may have still a relationship with them, it, it definitely mm-hmm. changes them. Yeah. And that can be really tricky also to navigate in different ways. Yeah. And, I mean, there's no clear path, mm. uh, but, I mean, this is just such a juicy conversation, I think, for our listeners. And oh my goodness, if there's anyone out there that's thinking, I really want to be able to separate myself from the relationships with my parents, or this is really landing, reach out, let's have a yeah. chat. Uh, Cause this is my jam. This is the stuff that I work with women about all the time and love it. really love, love working it. with them. But you're starting a business as well. If I remember correctly, you said yes. something earlier about launching uh, a business with your husband. That's correct. Yeah. So while I was on maternity leave, um, I co-founded a business called SaaS Video Marketing. So we essentially help SaaS companies within HR because I'm passionate about HR. Um, and my husband is in sales and um, he loves software and um, he does these dem- demonstration videos to help sell softwares. That's what he's been doing. Um, and that's where we decided we can do our own thing. And let's put both of our passions together and make it work. So while I've been on maternity leave, I've been strategizing, I've been um, building the strategy for the business. Um, and we got we caught our first client from one networking event. So we, we're starting to network and get our, um, we've, we've got the business structure, everything's ready to go. We went to one network event, which turned into a client and we're just um, working with that client, making it work. Oh, I love that. That's incredible. And uh, if you're interested in learning more about Eve, I'm going to pop her details in the show notes. So feel free to check Eve out uh, through the show notes. I'll put those links in there to all of her socials and website and all of that jazz there. Uh, And this has just been such a fascinating conversation. We, We started off just talking so broadly and talking about so many different themes that all, and I feel like We've just scratched the surface, you know, we've just kind of really. (laughs) I could talk to you for hours, Ali. These different topics uh, and my head is just kind of like, oh, wondering like when can we get together and chat again and dive into more of these because I think that there's so much more to unpack and I know that so many people are going to resonate with your story uh, in so many different ways because this is just something that, impacts so many women so I really appreciate you jumping onto the podcast and having a chat about what your journey has been like and how you've been able to 
find that self-worth in yourself and move towards a place of self-love and confidence. And hopefully that's been able to, I know it certainly inspired me and hopefully that's been able to inspire uh, other listeners as well. So thank you so much for jumping on today. Thank you so much for having me, Eloise. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I could talk to you for hours. So Thanks for listening again. to Get Over Yourself. I know there are so many podcasts out there and I'm so grateful that you chose this episode to listen to today. Please consider leaving us a five-star review as this is really going to help our podcast grow. Meanwhile, keep your ears peeled because there will be a fresh new episode dropped next week and I can't wait for you.